Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, as always, thank you guys so much for the support, the kind messages, the emails, all the love that you've sent, the show's way. Keep that coming. I read all those emails and those tweets and everything and all those messages, so keep sending that to me. Really, really appreciate it, and thank you for joining us here for this episode. Uh, I've touched on this topic with a couple guests a-, a while ago, and it's crazy now to say it probably has been years ago now. And it's something I did want to circle back to because it is a hugely important piece to coaching, and that is the preparation and the scouting reports and game planning and just making sure that as a coach, you are fully prepared and that you can get your guys or your girls fully prepared so they know what to expect from their opponent and you can make the best game plan possible to put your players in a position to be successful. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about scouting reports. We'll talk a little bit about game planning, talk about some trends that maybe um, my guest has noticed in terms of things that maybe sees programs are running similarly to each other. And then also the idea of balancing kind of the, the scouting report versus trusting your players to just kind of go out there and play. So we're going to touch on a lot here. Of course, I do not do this alone. I am very happy to be joined by the head boys basketball coach. Uh, you'll correct me, coach, if it's Mott or if you actually pronounce M-O-T for the charter for the high school. Uh, coach Eric Epstein is joining us. Coach, how are you doing? And how was the actual pronunciation of the high school you currently coach at? Thanks, for, thanks, Coach Hernandez, for having me on. But it is M-O-T charter. Okay. M-O-T charter is how you M-O-T. pronounce it. And what does the M-O-T stand for? Middletown, Odessa, Townsend. So All it's right. like an it's it's three three cities. Uh, okay, so together. it's a comp- compilation of a few different places. Right on. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Awesome, Coach. Uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, you and your basketball and coaching journey. Uh, the game of basketball and your coaching journey. Where where did the game take you, and what eventually ended you up at MOT? Um, so yeah, I was, um, a senior at University of Delaware, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do with life. Um, I had a couple months until graduation, um, and I went for an internship or I was, I wanted to apply for an internship with my professor in, in, um, international sport management, um, actually got turned down for the, turned down for the, uh, for the job that he was offering. And, um, I was like, uh, Dr. Robinson is the name. Great guy. Um, runs the head is the head guy at University of Delaware for sport management, and he was like, um, you know, you have to have some sort of direction. You're kind of a senior now, senior in college now. So, um, he was like, what about coaching? Have you ever thought about coaching basketball? Um, for your occupation, I was like, I'd love to. I really didn't know how to go about it, really. Um, but I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, so you can, however, you can help me out there. Um, so. I did have some previous coaching experience in high school and I played in high school. Um, so I coached a freshman boys basketball team um, while I was in college um, at St. Mark's High School in Delaware. Um, and then from there, uh, he helped me get an internship as like a um, a, man- a little jack of all trades internship, like manager, video coordinator, assistant, 
um, with the University of Delaware men's basketball team. Um, so I did that for a few months. Um, Coach Ross brought me on board. Um, and Saul, a great guy, director of basketball ops, um, they, they had me as part of their team. Um, so I was there creating scouting report, doing some scouting reports, helping out with some film, um, videotaping the games themselves, um, doing a little bit of everything. So it was a great experience. Um, they taught me, those guys taught me a lot. Um, so, uh, from there, um, I kind of went to zero gravity basketball. So I went to zero gravity basketball for a couple of months. Um, didn't, it wasn't really my cup of tea, um, ended up going to Goldie Beacom College as a graduate assistant. Um, so that's a D2 school in Delaware. Um, mm -hmm. I, I uh, got, ended up getting my MBA there, concentration marketing management. Um, and th that, was all, um, that was all paid for while I was coaching and also helping out the sports information director, making highlight videos for all the sports teams. Um, and then Co Coach Deckmar was uh, gracious enough to have me on his staff. Um, and I learned so much that there's three years. We broke a lot of records. I done a, did a lot, a lot of scouting reports, a lot of recruiting. Um, and I, he really helped help teach me a lot. And I had got a great experience with him and all the players. Um, the player, I, when I first came, he was like seven, eight seniors on that team. And they yeah. were more than welcoming to me. So, um, wow. so it was pretty cool. Um, and then from there... Um, ended up getting a job at MOT Charter High School. Um, so uh, it was – the high school is pretty new, newly built. It's been around since 2016, I want to say. Okay. Um, so it's a new school, um, new, starting to build their athletic programs um, from scratch. Um, and so after a few – they had a couple seasons, and they asked me to come come along. And then um, five years later, I'm still the head coach there. So uh, – it's it's great. It's great. Um, I I didn't. I honestly didn't expect it to turn. For me, to be honest, for me to stay there as long as I did. But like they they're just such a great. Um, it's great administration, great kids to work with. Um, so I've really enjoyed my time at MOT and um, would love to stay there for, you know, as long as as long as they want me. <laughs> I mean, I, that, I mean, it's it's cool. It sounds like you you have so many different experiences and so many different things that you've kind of. Uh, been a part of that you kind of have seen kind of the game and in, in, in a lot of different angles and a lot of different facets that maybe not everybody else has had the opportunity to for sure yeah and and i'm i just turned i just turned 30 earlier or not just turned but i turned 30 in march <laughs> um so uh to, to have all those experiences that um really in my 20s um it, it's it's a it's a real blessing um and it's got me to a place where i'm uh I'm just very, I'm very comfortable and very happy with what I'm doing. So that's great. great. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, culture and the, and the idea of building culture. This is something that I, I know frequently comes up in, in the conversations I have here. And I wanted to make sure I asked you about this. And what I wanted to know specifically about was the process for you and your staff for getting your program's culture to where it is right now? Because my understanding is you're pretty proud of, of, of the where, uh, where your program's culture is currently at. Yeah, no, we, um, it's, it's been a lot of, um, yeah. blood, sweat and tears, a sure, lot of blood, sure. sweat and tears. Um, so yeah, I mean, I came in, um, I remember there was like 19, there was going to be 19 years on the team and, um, I really didn't, we really couldn't take all of them. If we really wanted to build the program, um, up and like have years and years of success um we just didn't want it to end in the first year basically so we we 
had to, unfortunately good players, but had to cut some of those, some of those seniors. Um, and just, just so we can get some younger blood to work with. Um, and so they can carry even some of those freshman software so they can carry out those two or three years, our vision and what that looks like. And as long as they're willing to buy in, obviously, and they were, um, and it's kind of, it's, and, um, even from that first senior class to like, there's, uh, there's years of even more blood, sweat, tears. Um, it's finally getting to a place where, um, you know, it's a, it's a good place. It's just a, it's a culture of, I mean, the one thing I always preach is um, just work hard, you know, you work hard and um, good things will happen. Like as, as long as you're trying to work hard, we can, we can help you with X, Y, and Z. Um, but the, the, the main thing we always have taught um, and not taught, but as I guess overemphasized is just work hard, just work mm -hmm. hard. We're going to work hard. You guys are going to work hard. And that's it. And then, however, everything else fall, everything else in our vision would fall in place as long as we work hard. So, yeah, and, I, I and mean, it's I know it sounds in your answer, right? It sounds so simple and so like pretty straightforward. But I, I know the process of actually putting that into action is a long one. And in some ways, right, it, it never really stops. It always keeps going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had all these like um I was like, we're going to run this half court. We're going to run half court man to man defense. It's the same one I played in in high school, same one I coached in high school. And then when I coached at Goldie Beacom College, we, the, the guy who actually implemented that defense, he came into um, he came into that college as well as like a senior senior coach. Um, he's been a been coach for over 40 years. And um, I was like, so I got to MOT. I'm like, we're going to run the same man to man defense um push baseline etc and I, I quickly found out i was like man like not every single thing you think like you you think your culture at least on the basketball court is going to look a certain way too but you mm -hmm. know you really got to tailor to your players and who you got so um it's uh, it's uh, especially as a younger coach it's like oh i've basically learned this my entire life we're it's going to work it's worked everywhere but you know you got we've had to fine-tune some things and adjust some things um and so, uh, but yeah, the, the hard work will never, um, that will never ever, that, that's our main thing, you know? So, and I think that leads into co communicating hard, that, um, that leads into, uh, you know, defense is hard work that leads in, usually leads into a good defense. We've always had some fairly good defensive teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, hard work is as far as even communicating on offense, um, which I think is something that, um, you don't see a ton of from players nowadays. They kind of just try to signal each other with their hands up and whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's, uh, I, I just, yeah, I, and it's, and it is simple. The hard working is simple, but I think if everyone has that very simple vision in mind, you can, it can kind of take a life of its own, you know? So yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Once it starts going, it, it really like builds on itself and you start building up a lot of momentum of like that sort of work ethic and, takes a little bit of time in my experience and I'm sure in yours to, to really get that going. But then once it's there and everyone's holding each other accountable to it, it's, it's pretty great. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, I was just talking to you before we started, um, mm. but, and, and I know uh, with the, with our summer and we haven't had, I mean, it's taken years, but we ha haven't had like a lot of, lot of success. Um, and I know it's, it, we talked about it's just summer league, but I mean, we went 12 and one this summer and we're really beating some teams down and, um, I mean, it was it was just crazy to see the the turn. Um, I mean, we're five hundred last year. We got everyone coming back this year, so yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's um, but the the fruit and it's taken years. Um, I thought it would come a little bit sooner, but you know, patience is sometimes what's called for. You know, especially in the coaching profession. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fantastic. All right, coach, I wanted to ask you as we jump into this topic here about uh your process in creating a scouting report. So when you're when you're game planning and 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 it's time to uh, create that scouting report and get that assembled. What is your process for creating that scouting report? And then what goes into making it one that you think is a viable and, and good scouting report? So, um, yeah, we, we look at the players first and who are the, who are the star players, who are the role players on teams, et cetera. Like we, we will take down notes on any single person that goes into the court um, are they a shooter? They like the one dribble pull with their right right hand, you know, et cetera. Um, and uh, we, th- we think it's most important for players to – our players to know the other players' main tendencies. Um, with that being said, because we, we don't put a ton of emphasis on um, the X's and O's. We do, and we've simplified a way to do that with how we're planning on starting off games because um, we want our guys to be fully prepared for everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, we think it's most important to understand like what each player does well and take that away. That's what we like to do. So um, we, we, we understand that um, and we kind of go from there. So um, we'll watch two or three games. I'll go watch a game. I'll make sure so one of my assistants goes watch the games. I do have a few uh, volunteer scouts who just only specifically scout um, so they, they'll, they'll help out and give their two cents as well. Cause I want to hear a couple different opinions. I never want to just go out by myself or whatever. Like yeah. I always want different opinions, every single team that, um, we play just to make sure we know ne- we didn't miss something, et cetera. Um, I always try to make sure we find out what zone offense they play if possible. We always try to go see if there's a team that's going to play zone against the other team we play. What we've kind of found out, and I know I was talking about, man, I'm this half court man, defensive guy. I've grown up <laughs> yeah, through it. Man. Um, but we, uh, with our team's identity and as it's currently structured, like we do really well with a two, three to start off a game. And I never thought I'd be playing a two, three zone, to be honest, just the way I grew up. But, um, it's, uh, it's a lot simpler to put on a scouting report, um, a two, three, because I mean, what we found is there's really two main offense, at least the teams we play, there's two main zone offenses that we see, and it's a four round one and they follow the ball around or it's a one, three, one. Okay. Um, and so th- because of the understanding, like most teams are going to run those two zone offenses, we can kind of prepare and be like, hey, this is what they like to do. And for the most part in the zone, you, as long as you can take away the layups and those high lows, um, you just, from there you got to understand who the shooters are and kind of shade towards them. And so we found that like we, we could be a, as prepared as possible, but to simplify for our players, um, that's what we've kind of done is – Always start off, try to start off a game in a 2-3. Um, if a, we know a team could really pick apart a zone, then start off in a press and go back into a 2-3. Um, but we found it just it really – it keeps guys fully understand what um, is gonna, what the other team is going to try to do to us at the very least. Um, so, you know, we, we try to – you know, you, you put in the right scan report and you hope you're going to start off strong. But um, and it, you sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. You know that's just basketball. But we at least know we're going to be fully prepared for when the team um, comes to see us. So I would. So it's really a combination of understanding player tendencies, and for us, what the um, what their zone offense, what their zone offense is. Um, and if we do feel like we need to press instead of start off in a two three, what is their press break? And most teams really only have 
at least again the teams we play a handful of press not even a handful like one or two press breaks so um for um that that simplicity as far as x's and o's and understanding like guys that you're only going to see this basically Mm -hmm. these couple of things like that helps ease their mind that's like okay we know what we're about to get ourselves into so and you mentioned how you'll take notes on anyone who who comes into the court right anybody who gets any form of playing time so what what sort of things is there like a little like shorthand about the notes you take how how, what goes into like what you write about each player like is it just um you know you jot down like their tendencies and things or is there more to it or or what is that like those notes that you take on those players who come in sure so we kind of and we do our background work like who's scoring the most points kind of put a star next to them uh next to those numbers and be like hey these are the main guys and tell our players hey these are the main guys you need to watch out for now again with a zone like you kind of just need to know who the shooters are really right and if you can take is as long as the the one there's only one guy's there's always going to be one guy who's going to cover the ball, right? Like we that that's part of our man defensive principles as well. Um, mm-hmm. When we have man defensive principles in a zone, so it's always going to like even if we shift the zone, right? It's always like, hey, we got to cheat towards the shooter or the shooters, two shooters or whatever it is. Where I mean, if you if you're facing a team with three or four shooters, then I mean, <laughs> that's a that's a tall task anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, so I mean, most teams usually have like one maybe two really really good shooters that you got to watch out for um so we really just mark down who the shoot who those um shooters are now um if we decide to transition the man maybe coming out of half you know we're not going to run two through the whole game that's for our prep right so whatever defense we think we can run coming maybe out of the half or whatever the case is um we have those notes in the back of our head for player tendencies of like Okay, this guy mainly comes off of ball screens. This guy likes the one, two, trib- one or two dribble pull up with his left hand um, and tries to get into the paint. Um, loves the dish for loves the dish for others. Um, and, and most of the time, we, you know, you have one or two of those playmakers who have those specific like they love a crossover move. They love those dribble pull ups. But most of the time, at least at our level, you're fi- you're writing down guys nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Most of those are just catch catch and shoot guys or box out and rebound guys, and you just kind of, and you just keep that in your head. You can kind of lightly mention it to your team, right? But um, we're not going when we're getting in the nine, ten, eleven, or eight, seven, even. Um, we're bench, not getting yeah. too yeah. We're not getting too in depth on what they do. Um, so we 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 keep the note. We try to keep those notes just for even our coaching staff purposes. Uh, maybe they're maybe guy nine is starting to crash off the glass pretty well and we're like yo you guys have to box them out you know what i mean so um and, and so we take down all the we take down these notes and it's more so for us as coaches to understand like as the game is going on like you, we need to adjust make sure at player b is um we're, we're shading him a little more because maybe he not one of their go-to scores but he we know he can shoot he's had a yeah, game where yeah. he he's made three threes or something like that so um yeah, so that so we so when we're jotting down those notes, mainly find the playmakers and what what are those playmakers specifically doing, and relay that information to the team. Um, and then from there, nine, ten, eleven, guy, eight, seven, whatever it is, we just kind of like they're there, they're a guard, they're a forward, etc. You mentioned that you will scout a team multiple times, and and have like a minimum correct of times that you'll look at a team. Yeah, at least two or three times. And so are you looking for different things the second and third time? Are there other things that, that – is there, like, a process as to, like, what you look for each time you do your scouting? 
Most team, I mean, unless a team is running a different defense, um, and as for so mainly we focus on what the team is doing offensively. Um, for us, I, I try to preach this to our guys on offense. We know what they if they like to press or whatever the case is, but offensively, um, when we're going against against a team's defense, like when we're scouting a team's defense and we're on offense, I just tell our guys, yeah, we want to be the enforcer. We want to do what we do on offense. We don't care what the other team's going to do to us, basically. So we have, you know, set plays. So we're not worried about that portion of it necessarily. Mm -hmm. But um, the uh, – because I, I, on offense especially, I want them to just be confident and play – mostly play, play their game within our team concepts. But, you know, um, so uh, – but um, – yeah, I would say when we're looking at teams for a second or third time, it's kind of more of like a um, emphasis on, yeah, this is what we saw the first time or the second time. Like when we first saw them, it's like, okay, like, yeah, we remember this, this is what they do. It's almost like a reassurance. Reaffirming like, okay, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we're going to see them so or see that um, specific stuff again. Now there's sometimes we go and it's like, oh, they just – when they, this team switched the man, they ran this new set that I haven't seen before, mm -hmm. right? So we still take down that note in case, you know, we ever switch the man. Again, for us as coaches, that we just know that that could potentially come um, and kind of call that out on the sidelines as it's happening. Um, or even even in a timeout, if we have a chance, like, hey, they may run this set. They they ran this set um, recently. So, um, but yeah, it's not nothing you're like really, at, at least for the two times, two times gives us a chance to be like, okay, you're probably fit. You've pr probably faced a team where not both games are not man to man. At least we try to make it that way. Like we try to make it like, oh, this team likes to play man to man. Let's make sure we go watch them play against another team that's that likes to mix it up, um, so that we can see all the angles and all the facets of what they like to do. Um, so if we if we go to scout and it's mostly like, oh, this team just plays half court man to man, like that's fine. It's good. Like we're going to learn about some tendencies and everything like that. But we have to then go kind of predict about an opponent that's going to mix it up on that team to see like, Oh, what do they like to do against the two, three? What do they like to do for their yeah. press break? So, and um, so it, kind of, it always kind of depends on every sit. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you. Oh off. no, you're all um, good. You're all good. But it, it, it kind of depends on every situation, what you see the first or second time. So. And then I have to ask, cause I know people listening are going to be curious. How do you, how do you find time to, to do all that, to, to see a team and, and, and scout them multiple times and look at what they're doing? Uh, you make it, you make, you make yeah. the time, you know, you just make the time. Um, it, it just try to find a way. Most of our practices, we go from, um, we go from 2.30 to 4.30 or 4.30 to 6.30. Um, and that's usually our practice time. So usually I, I can find a game where we're, someone's playing 7.15 at night. So I can hop mm -hmm. over right after a practice and go, go watch that team play. Um, now I, I would all, actually, I'd always prefer the earlier, I'd prefer the earlier practices. So then I could go out and go see whoever, cause I know there's games that start at five. So it's really, you go from practice and then you go scout. That's pretty much my daily routine during the season. So that's long, long days, I guess, but that's, that's part of what comes with it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love it. I mean, um, even like I said, going back to the, going back to my college days and college coaching, like, you, you know, you, you had to watch a team uh multiple multiple times so i i've i've always enjoyed that facet so like um i know it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time um and having good assistants and good scouts that will help help you do the go watch those games too it's extremely vital and extremely important so mm -hmm. not only you can get those views but you're just getting you know getting more eyes having them watch more games um i mean it's really i, I had a scout this past year really helped us out a ton um and helps you know helps helps you as a coach out as a ton if you have those guys that are willing to go out and 
help scout for you too. So, and it's, I've noticed, and, and you can speak to this too, that there is a big difference in what you'll see in person versus like watching film of a team. It's like, it's, it's completely different in a lot of ways when you actually like see it up close and personal and kind of are actually in there when it's happening versus kind of like seeing it on film. Yeah. I, I think watching it and at, we, I mean, sometimes we watch on film, but we really try to always go in person, especially when they call call something out, they call out a play, even if it's as simple as a ball screen, you kind of can see what their hand gesture is for calling a play um, or it's a verbal call sometimes. So, you know, um, we, we really like going in, per like you said, going in person and watching it. Um, there's still benefit to watching it on, um, you know, on, mm -hmm. on video. On, on film but, or um, huddle. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and uh, it, it's actually more important that we've gone out um, to watch because we actually don't even have huddle. So, oh yeah, then you, got, you better be there then in person. <laughs> yeah, so we're so we're everywhere. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 there's there's definitely benefits for both. I think, sure. but uh, you, you, I think you at least have to get one live scout in there, go and see them in person. Like we we do watch the video once. I mean, it, we'll scout twice, at least twice, and maybe one of those times is video. But we definitely have to see them play a person mm -hmm. at least once. So how do you, how do you then take all of this, all this information, all the scouting, all, all the notes and everything and the tendencies and how, what they run, how does that then get boiled down to what goes into your practice plan as well as like how you communicate this stuff to your guys? Yeah. So I'm a, uh, I'm a big believer in also like, you know, what we do, what we do too. Like we, like we have our identity, like basically mm -hmm. like you, you got to come and stop us too like you gotta cut like you like you better be prepared for what we're what, what what we like to do so actually you know we put in all this time for scouting and we do all these things and we'll we'll what right on well before our practice starts we kind of write on the board like this is what they like to do this is kind of and we kind of take 10 minutes about what they do and then really we only take 10 15 minutes on the court for what the other team is probably going to come out in and what they like to do because again we do all that scouting and it's more so for game adjustments and if we need to change uh, and need up and need to change out of our two three at a half time or out of our two two one press at halftime or whatever the case is. Um, so the implement it, we give we we write it on the board. I give them a sheet. Um, usually I try to keep it one piece of paper. Keep it simple for them. Like hey, like just look at this one sheet of paper. That's all you got to do. Um, just to kind of prepare yourself for what you're going to see and what we're going to about to go up against. So talk about it before practice. Write it on a piece of paper, and then we kind of go through like a ten. 15, 10, 10, maybe not even sometimes 10 minute walkthrough, because again, like we, we run that two, three zone, like we're only going to see so many different things out of it. So, um, so really, so really it's gave us time to prepare for our opponent and really focus on, it's really best for both worlds, prepare or prepare for our opponent, what they're going to do and practice what we do well, you know, so. And is this is this always been kind of the same same process? Is this evolved over the year? How you kind of take this stuff and put it in your practice plan, or has that always kind of been your uh, strategy for doing it? Hundred percent evolved. It's a hundred percent. Okay, evolved. so what was that evolution? I guess my question then is: is what? How did you, uh, through trial and error, what did you learn that that maybe didn't work or had to be adjusted to get it to where it is right now? Well, I would say like the because I was a big man to man half court kind of guy like adjusting from that because like I remember I come in and like like hey they like to run six seven sets let's practice through these six seven sets and it's like man like 
it's it's just even going over X and O for kids that just want to play basketball, you know. So like going through, so starting off in half court man to man, and we and eventually evolving over time to kind of just starting off in two three. Um, even like when I first started transitioning to a two three, it was like okay, we still have to run man. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, but we've gotten to a point where we're just always starting off in two three. Um, it's just so much easier for our guys. Um, I used to have two or three pages of a scouting report. And then, and then looking at it, I'm like, it's a kid going to do this 20 times in the regular season when they also have to worry about school and what <laughs> and everything else going on in their life, you know? Like, do they really – and, you know, their attention is attention spans nowadays. So, you got – like, it's true. Like, I try to keep it on one – keeping it on one page as opposed to the, there's two or three pages. Um, I remember writing up on the board one day, and I filled up the entire board before a game. I was like, this is what they like to do. And I remember looking at the players' faces, and they're just, like, overwhelmed. They're like, what is going <laughs> It's like, it's like, mm-hmm. rocket, like rocket science on the board. Um, so, like, I remember that, and I'm like, man, we got to simplify this down. Because <laughs> I still, you know, I'm still in the mind of, like, college coach. Like, you know, the college, it's a different world from college players to high school players a lot of the time. Um, and they're able to attain different information even college even college players it's um we give them a ton we gave them a ton of information but we found we've had to try to find ways to even refine that as well um it just you know just trying to make the game simpler but still have your guys prepared um so what um yeah i mean so i would say the refinement process it's it's been slowly but surely over time um so again starting off with those two or three page scouting reports and the full whiteboard and taking up 30 to 40 minutes, 30 minutes, probably 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Maybe if it's like a team that runs a lot of sets of practice time to prepare for a team, it's just, uh, it's just a lot, especially if you're doing it one time before a game and we've seen them a couple times. Um, it, it just became overwhelming. And since I realized it was overwhelming and slowly narrowing it down from the two to three page and the full board and the 40 minute of practice time to, you know, 10 to the 10 minute of practice time, um, and it really came down to me slowly but surely getting out of my ways and what I've always seen mm-hmm. um, just to make that could it be better hard, for our team. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, just to get it um, just to get it better for our team and get our guys the most confidence they have possible and still have them, you know, prepared. Um, so I, so it, I think that's the main thing is for me to get out of my, get out of my own way for my team, um, for our team, just to, um, simplify everything because um again scouting and we've narrowed our time down um and it, we've been efficient with it it's not necessarily like we've always like we, everyone including our players our coaches we understand the importance of a scouting report and the importance of preparing um but we've just been able to find time to narrow down that time um with our players um and just being help them be able to play a little more freely a little more confident with everything so um it- I was going to uh, ask this a little bit later, but but you, you brought this up now, so I figured I, I'll ask now about that process of preparing, having your game plan, and having your scouting report, and and knowing what to expect from the other team, versus the idea of being confident that regardless of what another team does, that your team can still do what it needs to do on offense and do what it needs to do on defense. How how, do, how does that kind of balancing act work where you where you don't step into the realm of maybe like being over prepared or over scouting or you know paralysis by analysis type thing how, how do you kind of balance the being really prepared versus also trusting your guys that you know you know kind of no matter what we can still get what we want on the offense and defensive end 
Yeah, I would say that um, that's a great question. Um, I would say that um, for our guys that, um, you know, uh, the the fine line, I've, uh, I think you always err towards the sides more of like, let's do what we do most. Like if another team is doing is doing all these different types of things um then just maybe pick out the one or two things they do really well and just be like hey this is their, the that the either the most efficient thing or the thing they like to go to the most and then that will depend from team to team um so really if you're going against those type and we face those type of teams that run nine ten eleven sets um and we know we may have to eventually go to man on them and maybe it's introduced like one of those sets. <laughs> it's like this is their main like they scored every single time off of this this hour and defend it. Um so really uh we err towards the sides of let's do what we do first. That's the like especially with the team we had for us this upcoming year, like let's do what we do. They have to stop us. Um that I, I would say that becomes like 80 90% of like what we do and the, the scouting report and what the other team does, that's like a 10, 15 um, percent. I, I think as long – I'm always the believer because, you you know, you ha- and teams do different things to you, right? So – and you have your preseasons. Like, this is what we're going to do. Um, you don't always – I think you're, you're fighting you're, – if you're going to constantly adjust to teams, um, it's just a lot for players. And it's like, what is, what is our identity? Um, and you kind of lose your identity if you're constantly – adjusting um so i would say like uh, with that balancing act always always err towards the sides of do what you do best and if a team is really that that does all these things just narrow it down to one or two things just just so you can go back to like this is what we do make it stop stop you really have to stop us first before we adjust like really have to stop us so. And and a lot of that, I think, also is just what you want to put confidence in your guys, right? That you trust them that, hey, like, we're going to get you ready. But at the end of the day, I, I still trust that, you know, if we do what we need to do, we're still going to be putting ourselves in a position to successful. I know I've in the past uh, maybe over game planned and tried to tell my players too much to the point where they felt unconfident because they they could almost tell in a way that maybe I didn't trust them maybe as much as I should have. And and then they started to get a little bit nervous because, you know, it's like, oh, like you don't think we can, you know, we you got to tell us all this stuff and you don't trust that we can just go out there and be successful. So uh, I think, I think being confident in what you run offensively and defensively is, 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 is good for your guys to make sure that um, they know that you have, as a coach, you have that trust in them. For sure. And that's, and especially with the generation where we're coaching now, like trust is the number one thing. Um, and even and I was I remember having exit interviews with some of our players um, and talking about, you know, how we would go through practice um, and just be like, man, I didn't think you had confidence in me being able to bring the ball up the court because we like never practiced it or, or maybe it was something I forget what exactly it was, but maybe it's something along those lines. Um, but I'm like, dude, I don't I didn't think we had to practice as much because I have so much confidence in you that we can that you can bring the ball up the court. Like mm-hmm. I didn't think we needed to, to sit down and practice that a lot. Like we practiced a little bit, but I, didn't, I, I had so much confidence. And so um, being direct um, with your players and having the full trust, um, th- you need to do that to go you know, a long, a long way with your teams. Um, so any, and anything that, um, 
especially some of the indirect stuff that you don't mean as a coach, like you, I would always suggest like reflecting back on like every single practice, every single thing you said to, you know, your, um, your players and just being like, make sure that they, that nothing was taken the wrong way, you know, like even though you meant it in a different way, um, just so you have full transparency, hundred percent trust and uh, on both ends, um, your players and you and your, your players and the communication. So I think a lot of that boils down to just, um, commute just communicating at a high level you know so yeah um so and uh we've done a and communicate and we've done this one um i went to a usa basketball clinic when we started doing this one communication um drill that's really helped out um our players communicating with each other uh me communicating with our players but it's the communication circle um mm -hmm. so if not okay. if you get if you guys know what that or yeah. don't know what that is i'd go, suggest yeah, looking go. that up it's been uh how, how did it's you a, how did you implement that? What what was the thought process behind the behind putting that in? Um, so I, honestly, I've seen I saw it a few years ago too at a USA basketball clinic. I'm like, man, this is so corny. Our guy, our high school guys, <laughs> want to do this. <laughs> they are not, like they're gonna roll their eyes in the back of their head. They're gonna be like, let's get out of here. Um, but the, we the first time we did it, it was like, what are we doing? <laughs> the guys are like, what is this? Um, but then as after the first one, after we, you know, guys held hand, uh, 17, 16 year old kids holding hands, looking each other in the eyes and just see just good communication. And, um, the, and after that, after you get through that first one, the guys are, and you, you're like, okay, we're going to do this again. This is today's topic. Um, and then by the third or fourth one, I have my captain being like, okay, guys, communication circle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. um, I, it's, um, I, I always thought it was, Horny, hoaxy, um, horny, uh, but it was just, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I ended up there. I'm like, man, let's just try it and see what happens. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. in one of those moods. I was like, yeah, let's just try it at the end of practice and see what happens. Um, I like that. It's been a huge, it works, it it's works. been a, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, kids, the kids need to learn how to communicate properly in person, you know, it takes them a long way in life. So. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to uh, wanted to bring the attention back to uh, with with all your experience that you've had with scouting and, and doing a lot of that work. What trends uh, have you kind of noticed in your scouting reports? Are there things that you're noticing that teams are kind of running uh, in terms of actions or plays that are really similar? Um, well, what have you kind of noticed seems to be maybe the popular trendy thing that's out there? Yeah, I mean, because we, because again, we do start off in that two, three zone defense. I mean, it's again, it's a lot of it. To us, it's been pretty basic recently. One, three, one, four, round one. Um, some ball screens here and there. Um, not, but I mean, I wouldn't say there hasn't been anything too like. Oh my gosh, this is like I've never ever seen this before. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, and again, doing your homework, doing your your prep and um, being in college and seeing a bunch of teams run different styles and plays and sets and motions and encounters. Um, I, I there's not, uh, everyone's got their own way of doing things. Ultimately um, the teams we face, it's just try to get the ball into your best player's hands. And uh, we kind of can create from there. Um, I think over time, even when you're watching the college game, you're not seeing, at least when I'm watching um, and more high major, I would say, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but it's more so like, kind of ball screen and spread and that's the main thing and i mean you know you have your certain spain pick and roll actions and um you know different variations of flex and whatever um and a lot of it's already out there um and i wouldn't say there's like a trendy thing maybe i guess maybe it's going more away from 
you know, your old school flex to ball screens nowadays. I mean, okay. but what I'm talking like long, it's <laughs> probably like 10, 15 years ago. I mean, like when I was playing, like it's, that was a lot, it was a lot more off ball movement, a lot of off ball centric. Um, now it's become just more, way more ball screens, get the ball to your best player, less post-ups, more spread out the court, um, five out, four out type of motions. Um, and just kind of letting your guys play and um, teaching them how to play. That's kind of what I've seen is more coaches teaching their guys how to play the game um, mm. more so than specific actions and sets. Uh, I, th I think that's a good thing. I, th I think teaching uh, how to play is, is better than having players just necessarily memorize, you know, plays or scripts. For sure, absolutely. Um, and it just, uh, you know, they can they can um, do what they're a little more accustomed to instead of like, you know, you go you go play from when you're five to when you're through middle school and you're probably not running a ton of plays and sets and everything like that. You kind of just keep that same. Um, it's a smoother transition, I think, uh, for high school coaches nowadays to kind of a little less set. You still want, you know, you still want your sets and everything. You still want a play that's going to get you an open three with 10 seconds left or whatever. But um, uh yeah, mostly it's not, uh, at least from our end and, and here in Delaware and the teams we face, I haven't seen a ton of um, mm -hmm. new trend, nothing that's groundbreaking, basically. Do you, when you're, when you're scouting, um, are there, do you look at also the coach themselves? I know some, some do and some don't. Do you look at like the way the, the coach is acting or the way like the coach's tendencies, or you just kind of focus mainly on what's on the court or what is, what is your kind of thought or belief on that? Way more what's on the court, way more what's on the court. I mean, they're, I mean, got, coaches are going to react and coach their players differently and have different relationships and talk with their players differently. Um, to me, at least for what we're doing at our school, there's not really a, to me, a benefit of um, how the other coach is acting or communicating with their team per se, um, whether they're a screamer, yeller, I guess that's what you're getting at, um, or whatever, or they're a, a more patient, uh, stoic um, type of guy. To me, that's just them coaching, and we're we're over here coaching and trying to um, communicate with our guys. So I don't I don't put it, to me at least I don't put a lot of stock into. Um, what's going on on those other benches? Because when I once I started paying attention over there, I'm just um, and maybe it's for a play, maybe I'll look over and see if there's a play call or one of my co I really have my assistant coaches try to look over and peek over mm -hmm. what's going on because maybe they see a play or a hand gesture or something like that for a play call. Um, and I do make sure my assistants every now and then I'm like, hey, make sure we kind of look over and see if there's anything going on. Um, but for me specifically, as a head coach, I don't want to peek over and see what's going on. I got to worry about what we're trying to do and what the other, what everyone on the court is trying to do. So, and do you feel also kind of like a, as a follow up to that? Do you feel like a, in general when you're watching and you're kind of making a scouting report, do you feel like you can ever like get a sense of like a program's like culture or a program's like standards based on what it is that you see on the court. Cause I I've, I've had some coaches say like, Oh, I can tell, you know, like exactly like whether, you know, a program has a strong culture or not by the way that they play together. Is that, is that anything you feel like you can pick up on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can kind of look through the, through the record books too. And like, Oh, they're typically a winning program. Um, but, uh, and that that's kind of where we're at. We kind of base it on past um, history, but you can tell, um, you know, kind of how the guys communicate with each other. I would say the biggest thing, um, mm -hmm. and you can kind of tell from who's got a strong culture and who doesn't 
is kind of like who's there to just play the game and communicate about playing the game. Sometimes, you, especially nowadays, you get into antics of like um, just a lot of anger, frustration, just not keeping your head in the game. Like you, and just more. Um, I to me, I in a bad culture, I would see like just constant arguing and bickering. And there's times for it for you know that um, healthy uh, banter, I guess you'd say. Um, but if you're doing it a lot and that's the constant thing you're doing, you're probably not doing anything productive or positive. Um, it's just a lot more um, you, you, you're focusing it and your emotions are almost becoming a little too high at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, and you gotta, you kind of gotta be, you have a little bit more of a poker face. I think, I think that's what I've kind of seen from some of the better teams and cultures and pro like the, those guys have the coat from the coaches to the players you have a little bit more of a poker face and a competitive face. And like, even if something goes wrong, it's like, we're just, we're straight ahead. What's the next play? You know what yeah. I mean? What's the next thing to do? So yeah, that's what I guess the big determinant for me when I'm watching. When you are um, scouting and when you go and you put that game plan into action, you put that scouting report into action, after the game is done, after you're done coaching against that team, after you've prepared for them, and then after you've coached against them, um, what is kind of your process on kind of reflecting on that game plan or that scouting plan that you created? Is there like a, a reflection process where you can say, okay, like I know that this was a really good game plan and I, I did this correctly, or like, ooh, maybe like I should have looked out for this. Like in your experience, what what is kind of your reflection on like the game plans that you make after you're done coaching against that team? And I think a lot of it, because a lot of it's the preparation and and the game will kind of go how it goes. But to me, it's always how how does the game start? Like, how did the game start? Did you, if if the game started really well, I think you properly prepared your team. And maybe if it, maybe it's not even necessarily in the score, but putting your guys in the right position. Um, you, and, um, you know, like maybe on offense, like you got your guys in a layup position, but they just didn't make the layup, right? Or, or they, they made, uh, like they, maybe they got less layups and um, they had to take some really hard contested threes, but they made them. Um, so I would say that more so, like, did we put our guys in the right position? Um, and did we get the other team out of their positions? Um, and sometimes it's indicated by the score, and sometimes it's not. Um, but I would say the start of the game is the biggest, like, okay, we, we put our, our scouting report um, was either success or not a success based off the start of the game. Um, and then as the game goes on, because there's so many different things that happen in the game and teams will adjust and et cetera. And from there, it kind of becomes a, um, it can become if if the other team adjusts well, um, an adjustment game. So, um, from there, um, that that goes back into all those notes that you took on the team previously that maybe you didn't share with your own team, um, and just kind of formulating um, what's best. I, I I tend to think that for if you're just talking for about scouting report purposes, though, mm-hmm. um, the, the that initial quarter, that first quarter, I think is a big determinant on like was your scouting report successful? Um, and then in-game adjustments, I kind of put in its own separate category um, as far as uh, game planning scouting, because even though you have your notes, um, you just kind of go, I go off a lot of feel and what's going on in the game. So, And that's, I think that's a good caveat and a good thing to kind of maybe mention, for, especially for those listening who maybe are just kind of learning or diving into, you know, creating game plans and grading scouts is that any good coach that you go against 
will probably have some counter or have some reaction to whatever it is that you're doing. Once they get the sense that, okay, they've kind of scouted me and they kind of are aware of, you know, the tendencies of what I'm trying to get to. Now I'm going to throw this at them or, or this counter to it and then see how they react to that. And I think most prepared coaches or good coaches are kind of ready for that chess match. And maybe even hopefully a lot of them anticipate that, you know, somebody has been scouting them or, or seeing what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess kind of going into uh, a little bit further, I guess, of if um, if you think a scouting report worked or not, kind of, I was just kind of thinking about this as we were, mm -hmm. um, as I was going through it, but um, that like, because we go through our 2-2-1 and our 2-2-1 two, 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 into a 2-3 defense, um, that like, if they got us out of it, then they've eventually um, kind of broken our game plan like if like because that's what you share with, that's what we share with our team is the two two one into a two three now if they're you know we try to stay into it as long as we can because we can adjust out of the two or just within our two three doing different things like covering if they're passing it to the short corner right make sure we're backing up to the short corner instead of the corner three um or taking or our top two guys make sure we're taking away the high make sure that other guards taking away the high post um because they're starting to hit that a little more so um, and and you can and we and that's what I'm talking about with the in-game adjustments. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can you, for us, you could take our scouting report and our game plan, and if we could stay in that two-two-one into a two-three, the for us the almost the whole game, we're just, just keep it to a two-three. Um, then we've done a really successful job with preparing our guys, um, especially with those adjustments um, out of our two-three. Um, so, yeah, no, I just figured I'd share that. It just kind of popped in my mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no, that's great. And I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. And and I think that just, you know, kind of also adds to kind of the, over, the overall point, like the scouting report uh, that, that you make, um, it's almost, that's just like the beginning, right? That's kind of like the beginning step. You make this scouting report and then with the expectation that we know that this, this, this chess match is, is, is just beginning. And like the scouting report is, as you mentioned, it's kind of for the, the first initial stages. And then there's still though, obviously plenty of coaching that needs to be taken during the game, because that's when the real, uh, you know, back and forth takes place and happens from there. So it's kind of like the initial, like well-planned out, maybe it's the first quarter or so stage of the game. And then there's kind of the, the, the adjustment period and, and the back and forth period that happens for the rest of it. Absolutely, it's like that. Five, I forget what it's exactly called, uh, but that five-piece move in uh, in chess that you get to uh, get to checkmate. Um, so that's kind of what how I view a uh, few scout or scouting and game plan. If you can get that that five-move uh, checkmate, uh, then you're doing a really yeah, good yeah. job with your scouting. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before we hit um, our concluding segment, I did want to ask about the process of um, kind of distributing the scouting and game plan work among those in your staff. How, how did that kind of break up and responsibility go of like who in your staff is, you know, responsible for what, when it comes to scouting and game planning, is it all you? Is it, is it broken up among other people? What, what does that kind of look like? I always go to two or three games personally. And then if, um, if I, if one of my, if my assistants can come, um, and really, I have a JV and a freshman coach that are there full time, so I don't have a varsity assistant. So outside of their time, if they can go, um, or if I got an extra, I might have a volunteer or tier two during the year or a scout. Um, if they, I just give them the schedule. I'm like, hey, let me know what games you guys can go to. Um, if you guys can go to this game when they're uh, when team A is playing team B, like 
or, you know, I give them the whole schedule. Um, and just like, just let me know what games you can go to. These are important games. And then whatever games they can't go to, I try to make it a priority to go to. Um, at least, and again, at least see the team two or three times. So um, just let, I just share this with our staff, like, hey, like for the upcoming week, hey, these are games that we could, we should probably go to scout. Can anyone go to see these games? And is there, what's the uh, back, back and forth conversation? Like what, when, when you're scouting with somebody, are you, are, are you all looking at the same things then comparing notes or there, is there kind of like breaking up of responsibility or what, what's that collaborative, collaborative process kind of look like when, when kind of mul multiple of you are, are out there looking at uh, a game? Um, yeah, I mean, and generally, at least for us, like I've got a great staff, uh, mm -hmm. the guy, all, all the volunteer scouts and coaches and the JV and freshman coach, like we all, we've, we've kind of talked through, through the terminology through almost five years now and kind of like, you know, what, we, what we expect and how we teach the game. And they've been great job um, of learning from me as much as I'm learning from them. And we kind of all come across the same, like, you know, terminology and how we we're starting to see the game together. Um, so really when we're going through notes and we see these teams at different times, like we kind of have similar notes. I mean, someone might pick up something a little bit different um, with a, with a, maybe an extra tendency or like, mm -hmm. Hey, they, they, they threw this new set out there, make sure we're, uh, or have you seen this set yet? Um, and I'll say yes or no. So, so, but because we're on the same page on uh, I communicate and we, as a staff, we communicate extremely well with each other um, that really there's no, um, vastly different opinions out there if that makes sense and and it's also i can tell that you have a lot of trust in your staff too that if they say they saw something or there's something that they noticed you you, you respect their opinion you're taking that into consideration and, and they're they're valued and you want to know what it is that they're they're seeing and what it is that they're uh, writing down exactly yep because i mean again like I, I could easily have missed i could easily miss a couple things like um and they could maybe miss a couple things if i send them out and i had to go and be like hey did you see did, did you kind of did you end up seeing this while you were there too um and just kind of bouncing like our notes it's like hey if i if so if i get the notes back and i'm like maybe something's missing i'm like hey did they run this this time um or did they not run it at all mm -hmm. um so it, that's kind of the the um back and forth it's kind of uh, it's just double triple checking like what we're seeing and um and then if someone's and if someone sees something like hey like we also kind of go through keys that would be the other things and maybe not even what the other team is doing but i also give the assistants and my scouts um the like hey let me know some what do you think the keys are to win this game um so i can kind of share that with our team because you know we come we try to come up with um two to three keys per game like this if we do these two or three things we're going to have a good chance to win this game. Um, so I, I tell them, I'm like, when they're scouting, I'm like, hey, so like you're watching, you're watching. And that's kind of where, because we have, because we've talked through a lot and a lot of different things. We could do a lot of different, we could have a lot of different keys through our game or from game to game, different keys. So it's like, hey, like what what's the main thing here? And and sometimes it's this, you're saying the same thing, but the terminology is different. Um, the vocabulary is different where it's like, oh, that sounds a lot better when I'm communicating this with the players. That will help them get mm -hmm. a little more motivated. So um, so really a lot of that's like, um, especially with keys to the game, I found that extremely useful when communicating with our staff, like the vocabulary that we're sharing with each other, making sure that it's um, specific for when we share it, like it's going to click in our players' heads. So. Yeah, and and you definitely want to be on the same page, same page with that because we just talked about right. You try to simplify, get it down to one page, get it get it in a way that 
your your players get the information they need. They don't need to get uh, even more confused by you know different language that's supposed to mean the same thing or mix messages even you know accidentally or otherwise. Exactly. Yep. No. Hundred percent. Hundred percent agree. As long as uh, yeah, the vocabulary are um, e like for um, like example, like mm -hmm. uh, as far as just like for a scouting report, like with vocabulary, maybe it's like we have to fully deny this guy or maybe another coach is like, we should maybe shade a little bit, which is kind of denying him, but like making sure we're in some solid help there too. So like it's those little things too right there where it's like, you're kind of saying the same thing, but you're, but we're not. Um, so, and it's, it, we've gotten to a point where if we have those different opinions with um, scouting reports, like those very minor um, adjustments, very like, Oh, like, yeah, maybe we should fully deny here. Or when I initially put it on that scouting report and I share with my assistant coaches before I share with the players, they're like, oh, didn't you mean to say, shouldn't we fully yeah. deny him instead of, um, you know, shade him or, you know, little things like that. Um, so, and, and that's just one small example on a player, but um, on a player tendency, but yeah. Well, you want to make sure that language is right, though, so that way you can just say those couple words or that that term or whatever it means, and everyone on your coach or everyone on your team knows what that means. And no matter who says it, whatever coach says it, everyone knows and everyone can react to it. And it's going to save you a lot of time rather than uh, those mixed messages, which I've had before. And then also all of a sudden a player is doing something I don't want him to do, but it's because what they're they heard another coach say it and it meant something else and when I said it meant something else and it's not even the player's fault at that point it's it's uh, us as a coaching staff don't have our terminology right oh for sure yep and uh yeah no if uh yeah you want to have successful scouting reports like like all that's got to be you know when you especially when you share with the players it's one thing when you're communicating with coaches back and forth but when you share with the players it's like that's got to be close to, you know, written in stone. Mm -hmm. Like, this is exactly what we want. So. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, Coach. This, this is great. Um, to wrap up, there's a couple of questions I ask uh, every guest. I'll go ahead and start with this first one, which is, uh, thinking back on your coaching career, what is a moment from your coaching career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Um, I would say that, well, especially um, – and and forgive me is uh th this is more all of um this is more all of head coaches per se right that are currently head coaches or is it aspiring head coaches? no I'm I'm asking about from your from yeah for the people listening would probably be current head coaches there's a mixture of everyone okay. who listens so you can uh, take it whichever way you kind of want I got you okay um I would say that um. Being able to collaborate and be able to adjust, especially nowadays, um, that's the biggest um, key, especially when you're working with administration and working with your community. Um, I, I like I didn't really understand that. It's like, oh, I'm a head coach. I'm going to, um, you know, uh, I, this is how we're going to do things um, X, Y and Z. But it really becomes and you really need to have an open mind with um, the collaborative process and adjusting to um a little bit and still keeping your values and ideals, but maybe to, uh, and maybe it's not on the court, but you know, what your athletic director sees or making sure you're communicating with your teacher or with the teachers and, you know, everything like that. I would say that, um, a collaborate, like having a strong collaboration process, um, with everyone in the community, 
um, in your administration and your parents and et cetera, that, that just goes um, a long way. And that takes some time to build up. So, um, but I, I think um, no matter what you do, no matter what you decide to do as a, as a coach, um, again, it, I think if you have a strong collaborative process and you're there for the players and you're trying to make them better people um, and we want to make them better people on and off the court, then um, that's all we can, that's all we can do as coaches. Um, so I, I think that's, that, that should be the main focus for every, every coach and every head coach in, um, you know, that position. Awesome. Awesome. Really well said. And to wrap up, Coach, I give every guest what I call a 60-second soapbox, but I'm not going to time you. So don't worry if you go over 60 seconds, but it's uh, your platform to kind of speak on on whatever you wish. Get out uh, a final thought, a closing message, a final idea, just something that you want to leave the listeners with. You are welcome to take it uh, any, any direction that you want. I'm just going to kind of give you the floor here, and uh, I'm just going to kind of let you take it from here. Yeah, um, I mean, kind of piggybacking a little bit on what I said earlier, um, just be willing to adjust, always adjust and improve yourselves. Um, and the play and everyone will see that and everyone will want to improve, um, kind of improve with you. So, um, that's kind of, um, all I, all I gotta say is I think we're as long as we're, I think everyone listening, um, including my and me talking right now and you, coach, as well, um, we're just. Um, you know, we're out here to make a difference. And uh, I would say that, um, you know, as long as we're a, a big part of making that difference is improving um, everything you do, everything you do with coaching, everything you do, um, you know, when you're in your daily life for your family, like as long as we're there for, for each other, for mm -hmm. you're there for your community. Um, I just, uh, I just think it goes a long way. And I think we're really doing a good thing. Uh, I think all of us coaches are doing a really good thing. Um, you know, if, if we can kind of hold hold by that and do well by our players and our communities, so awesome. Yeah, I, 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 we're all we're all in this hopefully to to help out these young men and women that we work with. So, uh, in in some respects, in many respects, we're kind of all on the same team here. So, uh, that that was awesome. Appreciate you sharing that thought, and and thank you, Coach, for coming on. I know as we're recording, you're you're giving up uh, the last bits of your summer here to talk talk some hoops but uh, appreciate you coming on talking about game planning talking about uh scouting reports a little bit about your program culture and and all the things uh that we talked about in between so uh awesome that you had a great summer and that the, the summer ball went well keep it up and uh, hopefully it's a great year coach thank you for joining us thanks coach Hernandez. i really appreciate you for having me on i'm happy to do it anytime awesome thank you guys so much for listening this was another edition of the basketball teacher podcast we will see you guys next time Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.